Welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. I'm Alan Arnold, and today in the studio, we have a really special guest, Stacy Eldridge. And many of you know Stacy from the book she's written, from Captivating, and then more recently, Becoming Myself. But I'm so thrilled to talk to you today about a new book, brand new, that she's just finished and is available now, titled Free to Be Me. And Free to Be Me is about how young women teen girls can become the woman that God has created them to be. We get asked all the time, how can we minister and and convey the ransomed heart message to our sons, to our daughters? Well, John and Sam have just offered this through Killing Lions, a book for men in their 20s. And now Stacy's written a book with a message to teen girls. So a very important message. Today, we're going to just dive into the conversation of Free to Be Me. And Stacy, first, welcome. Thanks, Alan. Good to be here. So good to have you here. Tell us, just what was it that stirred within you to write a book for teen girls? Oh, because these are such tough years, Alan, as everybody knows. And these particular years in a young woman's life are so formative. And they're living in shark-infested waters. You think, gosh, if I had known some things then that I know now, it really would have helped spare me from pain and some suffering and sorrow that I could have avoided if I had known more deeply my value, who I am in Christ, and other core things that are vital for young girls to know these days. I mean, every day. But it seems like it's heating up out there, and they are barraged with messages of of what it means to be um, pretty, what's of value, how they need to act, particularly with boys, how they need to dress. And, oh, I just wanted to throw them a lifeline. Tell me, what do you think one of the biggest struggles is for teen girls today? What do they wrestle with most? You know, I think that if we asked a number of girls that question, they all would come up with a different answer. But it comes down to a matter of the heart. And, you know, we talk about how every little boy, every little girl comes into the world asking a question. Um, For girls, do you see me? Do you delight in me? Am I captivating? Am I special? Is there anything of value in me worth pursuing? And then the deeper one is, do you love me? Am I worth loving? Those are the core questions going on in a teen girl's life. And she begins then to look for those answers in other people in the world around her, what she's hearing at school or reading or hearing from her peers, she needs to know that she is a young woman of value simply because of who she is and feeling like she doesn't fit in, that she needs to lop off large sections of her personality or starve herself or cut herself or do a myriad of things in order to fit in. That pressure has increased exponentially. Stacy, what I'd like to do now is invite you to read a chapter so that listeners can get a real flavor, a real taste of this book, Free to Be Me. I would love to do that, Alan. And I'm going to start just reading chapter one because we just dive right in to the heart because the heart is the heart of the matter. So let me read chapter one or at least a portion of it. I'm going to begin with a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. I'm trying to get some work done, but I am dog-sitting a nine-week-old puppy 
I am, shall we say, distracted. It's kind of a hassle to keep an eye on him, but he is also making me laugh harder than I have in a long time. Right now, he's investigating a fake plant. His nose is buried in it. He's biting it with his sharp little puppy teeth, and every now and again, he's growling at it. This puppy is one hundred percent this puppy. His name is Roper. He's a healer, and he's smart, and he's learning the boundaries to live within. No, not there, Roper. Outside. He is happiness dogified. He is a joy bomb, and one of the things that makes him so absolutely marvelous is that he is not trying to be anything other than what he is. He is a puppy. He's not a kitten. He's not a gerbil. He's not an older dog. He is Roper, the nine-week-old version, and that is a very good thing because that is exactly who he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be himself. I'm supposed to be me. You're supposed to be you. Self-assured is not how anyone would have described me in high school. Confident, self-possessed, fearless. I may have looked that way. I sure tried hard to appear that way. I was nice, but if there had been a sign hanging over my heart, it would have read, "Just tell me who I'm supposed to be, and I'll be that." My parents had an idea of who I was supposed to be: smarter. Thinner, more popular. My friends were quite willing to tell me without even speaking who I was supposed to be. Funnier, prettier. I let my sisters tell me who I was supposed to be. I sure let boys tell me. I let other people tell me who I was and who I was not before I even had a clue as to whether or not they were right. We don't come into this world with a grand sense of self, or maybe we do. Maybe we are assured as a newborn, and then life chips away at our innate sense of unique well-being. Life happens; things happen; words are spoken, and it isn't very long before we figure out that in order to survive, there is a person we need to be, and she is in us—not truly, not fully, not freely. Just tell me who I am supposed to be, and I'll be that. Big sigh. Life can be really lonely, so I bet you can guess what I'm going to say next, right? I'm going to tell you that in order to have a life worth living, you need to be you. You're correct. In order to have a life worth living, you need to be you, not the parental or friend or boy dictated version, not the internet updated version, but the true version. You are you. You actually can't be anyone else. God made you you on purpose. You are the only one alive who ever was or who ever will be you. Today you are you. That is truer than true. There's no one alive who is youer than you," said the brilliant Dr. Seuss. "You is not only who you get to be; it's who you are supposed to be." Problems come. When we would rather be someone else, anyone else. Sometimes others don't like us. Sometimes we don't like ourselves. We know where we are struggling, or failing, or hurting, or simply wanting out. We know we are not all we're meant to be. So here's the good news: you are meant to be you, but you are meant to become a better you. You are meant to change and grow in the ways you long to. That is, in fact, why you long to. 
The very fact that we long for the change we do is a sign that we are meant to have it. Our very dissatisfaction with our weaknesses and struggles points to the reality that continuing to live in them is not our destiny. See, that's what life is all about: moving forward and upward, and becoming the next higher version of yourself, always, but not merely by your own efforts. Not by a strength of will, or a bitter form of self-discipline, or a rigorous regime of self-loathing, but through the love of God. I want to grow. I want to change. I want to become more true, more loving, more authentic, more me. Jesus wants that too. He wants you to become more you. Too. Jesus loves who you are. He sees you and knows you and thinks you're amazing. He also knows who you are meant to be, and by His love and grace, He wants to partner with you on your journey. From the heart, life is a journey of becoming the true you, which means it is a journey of the heart. We have to begin with the heart because that's where all the true action is. Your heart is central. It's been battered, and there will be times when it will be battered again. It can cause you great pain and get you into even greater trouble. You'll be tempted to lock it away, put it on a shelf, numb it, or maybe even kill it. Certainly, there will be times when you lose it. But the thing is, you can't truly live without your heart. And you are meant to live. Your heart is, in fact, the most important thing about you. Your heart is also the most important thing to God. Surprise! See, actually, that's really good news. Jesus came for your heart to ransom, rescue, and restore the true you. He hasn't been moving heaven and earth through all eternity so that you would behave yourself, fit into the crowd, mind your manners. No, he wants to woo and win your heart for himself, so that you will love him with it and live your life from it. That is crazy good news. I thought the journey of my life was about getting my act together, blowing it less frequently, and being a good girl, serving people, obeying, following the rules. I thought that's what mattered most to God. Boy, was I wrong. Proverbs four twenty three says, "Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it." Above all else, we are told, guard your heart, and guard not like a watchdog, fearfully keeping it in line, but guard as intend, protect, nurture. Most of us don't do that. Most of us watch over the number on the scale more closely than we do our hearts, and that is not a wise thing to do. Because a life without heart is not worth living, and your life matters. Your heart matters. Above all else, watch over your heart seriously. Why? Well, because as my husband wrote in Waking the Dead, God knows that our heart is core to who we are. It is the source of all creativity, courage, and conviction. It is the fountainhead of our faith, our hope, and of course, our love. This wellspring of life within us is the very essence of our existence, the center of our being. Your heart is the most important thing about you. 
You can't become who you are meant to be without it. Remember in Genesis, God said, Let us make mankind in our image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You are made in the image of the Trinity. Have you ever wondered where? Where is that image? You are made in the image of God in your whole being, but primarily in your heart. You have been created female by God's design. It's his intention that you carry his image to the world as a woman in your feminine heart. Your feminine heart has been created with the greatest of all possible dignities as a reflection of God's own heart. You are feminine to the very core of your being, and that is what Jesus has come to restore. So when I speak about the heart, I'm not speaking about your feelings, your emotions. You do feel deeply with the heart, but you think deeply there as well. When I speak of the heart, I'm talking about the place where Christ dwells in you by faith, the center of you, the core place inside where you are your most true self. Okay, you may be thinking, Stacy is nuts. You may have been taught that the heart is deceitfully wicked. That's from Jeremiah 17, verse 9. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Yes, the heart is wicked before salvation. But when a person believes in her heart that Jesus is the Son of God, come to save her, and she surrenders herself to God, giving him his rightful place in her heart, she gets a new one. Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, God knows where the problems lie and he has come to deal with them. He knows we need his help to live well and to love well. He knows our fallen hearts are deceitfully wicked and he made arrangements for them to not stay that way. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. When you become a Christian, you get a new heart. As believers with new hearts, we still struggle with sin. Yes, we are called to crucify our flesh every day, but we are not called to crucify our heart. We are called to guard it. So to begin... Your heart matters most to God. Your heart needs protecting. You need to be nice to it. We can be so mean to ourselves, can't we? We say things to ourselves that we would never say to another human being. We can be harsh. We see our flaws clearly, but it's much more difficult to see our goodness, right? Here's the thing. You need to be kind to yourself so that you will be kind to others, because the way you treat your heart is the way you will treat everyone else's. That's how it works. I recently had the honor and the sorrow, yes, at the same time, of being at the memorial service for my friend's 24-year-old son. The service was holy, and I do mean holy, grieving his passing, celebrating his life, thanking God for the truth that there is a day coming when all will be restored, no more goodbyes, ever. At his service, nothing was shared about how he did or did not pick up his room, if he made his bed, 
put his clothes away, nothing about how old he was when he got his driver's license, not a word about his grades, his roles, or his titles. Tons were shared about how people felt in his presence. There were lots of stories about his sense of humor. Words flowed about how he loved people, how he lived passionately from his heart, and the joy he brought by being and offering his unique, quirky, imperfect, wonderful, on-the-road self. It was his heart that mattered, and it's yours that matters. So, how are you doing today? How's your heart? How are you treating your heart? Are you being kind, encouraging, loving to yourself? Jesus wants you to be. We are commanded to love our neighbors as ourselves. The thing is, we will. We will love others as we love ourselves. So if we are harsh to ourselves, we will be harsh to others, whether we want to be or not. It will leak out. Jesus loves you. He thinks you're worth protecting, pursuing, guarding, investing in, and giving his life for. He wants you to love you too, even while being keenly aware of areas in your life that you want to change. Take a moment now and thank God for your life. Ask for his help to love yourself. You've been listening to Stacy read Chapter 1 from her new book, Free to Be Me. If you have a teen girl or know friends who do, we invite you to have them listen to this podcast. The teen girls would love this message. They need this message. And so we're going to be spending another couple of weeks with Stacy talking about Free to Be Me, going into some of the other topics of the book. But if you know teen girls, invite them to listen in. And even better, get the book for them. This is a book written for them that they will devour. I'm Alan Arnold. You've been listening to Stacey Eldridge from her new book, Free to Be Me. Join us next week.